Hello humans, welcome to Chacharone with Candy and Noodle, the monthly chat show podcast about all things now, then, and tomorrow. It's a little politics, a little art and science, and a whole lot of feminism. Liberal as fuck. Welcome to episode one, we have learned to imitate you exactly. Hi guys, thank you for joining us on our first episode of Chacharone with Candy and Noodle. I'm Candy. I'm Noodle. Hello. Hi. What was it that we said last time? Something about... Hello humans. Hello humans. It was hello humans. Uh, sending our stuff to the universe. We are very important people. It was the signal will not be stopped. You can't stop the signal. That's yes. right. Yes. You can't. Take away all of my nerd cred. No, you'll get it back. You'll get it back. We got plenty of time. Um, this is our first episode. We did record a little bit of an intro recently, but that didn't quite work out. Turns out we talked too much. Turns out, shrug. That's that's what happened today. We are talking to you about language and the way we communicate with each other, with the world, etc. Uh, we're going to start with a little bit of uh, who we are and what we've been up to. Noodle, who are you? Hi, I'm Noodle. Um, I am a IT marketer by day, plan maker by night. I believe in lists, I believe in projects, and I believe in books. Candace and yourself. <laughs> and who are you? Um, I am a uh, writer, editor, super nerd, uh, TV junkie. <laughs> horror junkie who's super into spreadsheets and uh, got a lot of things to say. So we figured let's start saying some stuff. We want to tell you about the things yes. that we want to say. We really just want people to listen to us. Maybe we don't get enough of that in our day-to-day life. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's uh, been subsumed yeah. by all the other conversation this way. It's our conversation. Exactly. Aw, look at that. Uh, a little bit of what this is. Chacharone. What that word means because some of you might be like, that's a weird what sound. What shit? That doesn't make any sense. That's not a word. Uh, chacharone is uh, basically Italian-American slang, and it means you you talk too much. And when I was a kid, my mother told me, she kept calling me chacharone, and I was like, what? Why? And I didn't believe it was a real word, because as we know, families make up all their own stuff. There's a huge amount of Italian-American words that are not actual words from either language, but they everyone knows what they mean. Uh, and that's, that's what this means, and we're kind of going to about that kind of stuff. Before we do that, we're going to start with segment one, which is the first of three segments we'll bring you with every episode. And this one is, what you reading, Noodle? All right. Uh, I'm a avid reader. I average about 120 books a year. I'm really pushing to meet my goal this year. Uh, what I am reading right now is Between the World and Me by Tanatsi Coates. And it is amazing. I'm a little bit late on this when it came out a year, year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago. Um, but I've finally gotten to it because I'm trying to expand my reading from just reading white male fiction. Um, so it's a stream of consciousness story uh, that is that Tanazi is addressing to his 11, 12-year-old son about his upbringing being African-American in America and the anger and the frustrations and the situation that he's been exposed to and how he wants it to be better for his son. And he talks a lot about code switching and language there, and which will segue really nicely into what we talk about later today. But this is a must-read book um, for anyone who has any empathy at all and wants to understand what this entire 
segment of America feels and why the Black Lives Matter movement is so important and that idea of us and them. And this really tells the story of essentially how the other half lives and it's wonderful and it's upsetting and I felt horrible through most of it and really uncomfortable in my skin and really empathetic towards, oh my God, I feel this way in the you know 12 hours I'm reading this book and and that anger is all the time and it's heartbreaking and everybody should read this. Nod. There was an emphatic right. nod at the end of that. And I'm done. Yeah. Yes, that is what it is. Uh, that sounds super interesting. I'm, I definitely borrow noodles, noodles, books from noodle. Uh, or we thrust them upon each other. Either way, there's a lot, of, a lot of book sharing going on in our circle of people. And I am I'm super excited to read that one. And I'm super excited that thanks to things like this, the ability to distribute content in such a way that it's available to everybody, there are more people talking about books that certain communities might not hear about. Books, movies, TV, whatever it might be. And we're kind of learning there's a lot more out there than we realize. And everyone is stepping out or should be stepping out of their typical absorption. Yep. Uh, read outside your outside your genre. Yeah. Or watch movies outside your genre and learn it's, about things that you don't hard. know about. Right. It's hard. It's, you don't want to give, especially with movies nowadays, you don't want to give something three and a half hours of your life that you don't know you're going to love. Right. So we kind of get stuck in that cycle of I'm only going to go see superhero movies. And also it's really difficult to read things that make them uncomfortable and watch things that make mm-hmm. you uncomfortable and make you feel shitty as a human being and think, oh my God, I need to be doing better. But frankly, we need to be doing better. Right. There's no more hiding. Yeah. <laughs> it's, that's... it's no longer acceptable to passively consume. You have to actively consume. Yes, and, and self-awareness. I think we're realizing at this point mm-hmm. in time that that is very important who we are, why we are, you're never going to learn that if you don't kind of step out of the path that really has been carved out for you. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's a great description of yeah. it. Thank you. Uh, what we're going to do uh, with these episodes, eventually we will have some guests on that are going to kind of give uh, more of an experienced, educated information about uh, the things we talk about. But we are going to start every time with a high and low on our topic uh, what is my favorite thing about this? What is the thing that makes me want to vomit about this? Um, so this week I'm going to start with my high in just in regards to language and how I feel like we talk to each other. Um, right now I think the ability to communicate and how easy it is to talk to people is my favorite part of what's going on in the world right now. I mean, we finally have the little devices that translate for you when you're in a different country that you can the wear and hold fish. on to. Yes. And I think it's taken us too long to get to that level of Star Trek, but I appreciate that it's finally happening. I love that you don't have to speak the same language between the internet and all of the things that we have available to us today to communicate with people everywhere. That's my high. Nina, what's yours? Uh, Interesting, my high is uh, similarly about speaking the same language, but slightly different. It's a little bit more um, centralized and location specific when you come across somebody who speaks the same jargon that you speak be it saying pop instead of soda which is wrong by the way um or or when you know you meet somebody who works in a different industry but uses the same sort of software that you use and you can speak to each other about that um i love that feeling of instant connectivity and this person understands where i'm coming Mm -hmm. from and who i am based on that like slight uh specific language i love that you went with software that was a really good 
I had a great Salesforce discussion the other day with someone <laughs> who I'd never met before, and, and we were on the same page. Nice. Which also speaks to just that that technology language, that whole new thing that there is to talk about, this whole new way to connect with people that wasn't there 40 years ago. Right, absolutely not. When people used to have to use tubes for inner office memos. It's freaking tubes, man. <laughs> I kind of wish they'd bring them back, though. Some places still have them for things. It's really cool i can't think what it's called oh it has a word it's we'll look it up at the commercial break we'll look it up at the commercial break uh uh, milo pneumatic tubes got it nailed it it. no commercials necessary this uh this episode is brought to you commercial free (laughs) by pneumatic tubes (laughs) um milo milo about language is the thanks also to the internet the realization that there are so many garbage people in the world and just the way some people speak to each other and the only way that they know to, for whatever reason, the only way they know to communicate being this kind of nasty, vile, just volcano of trash. I mean, that's not <laughs> funny, but it's, it's, it's so little funny. It's you gotta laugh. Trash volcanoes. Uh, Milo is also about how people talk on the internet, but real specifically, the lack of spelling and punctuation that people do not use correctly on the internet. As though, uh, as we switched over to a more written form of communication, everybody has spell check. It's just, I mean, it is built into everything you use. Your, Your phone will correct your words. Your laptop will correct your words. Whatever it is, I don't understand why people just ignore that. Like, spell words correctly. Use a comma. Just, I, I do like a good comma. See, I, I agree with the comma portion, big time. It's just... Now, my question is, does that... is it Does it irritate you like someone chewing with their mouth open? Or is it actually something you feel is like a downfall of Downfall society? of society, the okay. fact that we don't care about being educated anymore. Mm. That it used to be you had to use correct spelling and correct punctuation, punctuation uh, to be taken seriously. Right. And now... That's out the window. Like, you're cool because you don't use vowels. You're not. Use your vowels. There is no reason to remove two letters from that word. Uh, I. What's funny is I had a conversation, a mo- sort of conversation, with my father. He, he's he got a flip phone. He won't step into the now, blah, blah, blah. Come on, uh, Dad, join for us. For whatever reasons. He's got, I mean, I picked on him for 36 hours, but, you know, whatever. Um, and he brought up emojis and, you know, writing out sentences like that and how he feels like it's, it's like we're going back to hieroglyphics. How stupid is that? You can't write a sentence. And my response was, yeah, but it's, it's kind of cool that language has expanded to include something old where we are actually, you can communicate with, I mean, if pictographs. I, pict- if we say it's, pictographs yes. rather than emojis. Than emojis. Yeah. That, because that's exactly what it is. And it has become this way of emphasizing a point that I find wonderful i mean it i i what do i use a unicorn it may be unicorn no you know what winky smiley face mm, that's hard yeah I, there's Dinosaur. nothing <laughs> conveys the adorableness as much as a smiley face with the heart eyeballs no, exactly. like there's no word that captures that in the mm-hmm. right way mm-hmm. and our ability to speak uh in in however you say it i say gif deal with it um there you go. So you get you get 50-50. It's going to be set again. You've got both sides of the coin. It's cool. Um, that you can communicate that way as well. That I can... I We have full-on text conversations that are just 
gift, gift, gift. And it makes sense, and we get it. No one needs to explain anything. Right. That is just Context. conversation. Context has become so important, almost more important than the words you use, which leads us to miscommunication. Correct. And, and the addition of the emojis uh, does, I think, decrease some of the miscommunication around text messaging. Oh, yeah. It's really hard to show sarcasm in writing, and it's really hard to convey that. But, you know, you put the eye roll emoji, like, I get it, you're sarcastic. Mm-hmm. So that helps. Yeah, and, and which some people really, really could use. I, You think about texting or emailing your parents. And sometimes it is very different. They just can't, they're not conversational because they are doing that. They are writing out full sentences with no sort of cadence or tone or, and without speaking to you, they can't convey that. But if they learned how to use a certain smiley face. Sure, the smiley faces would really... would yeah. probably read that text. I'd feel less judged. I'd feel less judged. I would be less pissy about it. Like, there are so many reasons for those little pictures. So many reasons. We don't specifically mean our parents. It's a collective. It's a collective, but also, also my parents. Your mother is listening. <laughs> Hi, Vanessa. She knows. <laughs> she knows. The both of them. I feel like I shout together. out hellos to your mother a lot. You do. Yes, I it's do. important. It's because we have the same name. That, yeah, that's that's a thing. Hi, Teresa. <laughs> Moms for days. Moms for days. Uh, we, we are going to talk a little bit about uh, how you speak at home. Um, you have a story. Yes. Yeah. Uh, language in your house in that you assume the way that your family talks is the way everybody else talks. When you grow up with certain words and phrases, they feel like that's the name of the word or the phrase, and it's correct. So in my house, we had uh, these gooseners, which are a very specific type of nightstand or end table, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, you know, it's got a drawer, it's got a, a door on top of it that closes everything, and we've always referred to it as the goosener. So where is, where are the pencils? They're in the goosener. So I had a friend over, and I'm like 14, and they said to me, oh, you know, we need a battery for this remote control, like where's the battery? And I was like, oh, it's in the Goosner. And this person gave me the look like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I'm like, it's the Goosner. And I'm pointing at it and just this blank look. And I I was like, that table over there? They're like, oh, okay. And just like complete, what are you talking about? And I say to my dad later, you know, is this person real stupid? Like, is this a foreign language that we use? Is that a Spanish word? It's obviously not a Spanish word. And my dad is looking at me like I'm an idiot. And he says to me, you know, they're not called goosners, right? And I was blown away. I was mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? We've always called it a goosner. We have multiple goosners throughout the house, and they're all called goosners. And he said, yeah, we got those from Sally Goosner, and so we refer to them as goosners. And I was like, oh, my God. This changes my entire world Wait, view. Everything falls apart. Also, way to lie, Dad. Thanks. For years. For years, and I would, like, I just thought it was a specific type of night table. It is not it was just a person. And that sort of insular language happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from, from, your, from, from the home you grow up in to your, your classroom, to your region, to, you know, to your town. To your, it just, it just, it's very, very specific. And you will run in circles where you know how to speak. You speak a certain way to these people and you speak a certain way to these people. And then when those, those groups of people come together, you are talking and half of them don't get what you're saying. And it just, and it back, you know, goes back and forth. And you spend so much time explaining things. You're like, man, it would be easier if you just spoke the same language mm-hmm. that I spoke. Also, I cannot wait to look for a goosner. Oh my God, they're great. So, like, uh, a cabinet on top? 
No, it's real. It's like hip height. Mm -hmm. It's real small. Um, it's it's got to be dark wood. That's important. Oh, sure. Dark wood goosner, and it's got a drawer on the top, and then shelving underneath it, and then just like a like a, a door that covers the whole thing. They're, I mean, they're very, oh, yeah, like, yeah. 1970s looking. Totally. Now that I think about them, they also mm -hmm. had a bit of a, of a like, uh, egg timer look. Like, okay. they're very concave on the okay. sides. And they were, I mean, they're they're lovely. I don't know where they are. I'm pretty sure my dad got rid of them. <laughs> but I have been trying to find these goosners at any point in my life because they're super useful the way they are. Yeah. And they just don't make that drawer anymore. Like, they don't make the door drawer. That covers the drawer. Because right. it's the 1970s. right. Oh, and did the, the drawer have just, like, a little bit of a dip in the top to oh, pull yeah. it open? Oh, right. absolutely. There was no, like, handle yeah. or anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would totally love a goose. Oh, they're fantastic. Uh, uh, in my house, actually, this is a good story also. I hope it doesn't offend anybody. But uh, one thing we said in, uh, you know, again, Italian from the suburbs of Chicago. So it's very community-centric. I, mean, I grew up in a town that was primarily Italian. My family, of course, huge. So that was in my my most impressionable years, that was the conversation that was around me all the time. Um, and we, in that area, use the word Dago in a way that other people don't. And the first time Noodle and I had a conversation where I said Dago, she was shocked. Horrified. So, like, did she just drop? <laughs> like, totally casual with the conversation, this horrible... No, I, did, I didn't. But to some people, I did. And we had a conversation about it where, for me, and friends I grew up with and my family, it was like, well, yeah, look at the Dagos over there. Like, it was totally not a nasty word. It had been changed at some point and except, you know, by our families moving down who knows how many generations to not something that was derogatory. But to your ears. It was, I was shocked because in the Northeast we say Goomba. <laughs> Which is adorable sounding. Which is adorable. But probably started with the same sort of connotation. Right, right. But as the language evolves and you speak to the same people and you interact with the same people, everybody understands what that word means. Right, and you do have to be aware enough to know that there is a very sp a regional thing when it comes to words that can be extremely offensive. And it's not necessarily a matter of um, anyone is less educated about it or anyone is it's just that you grow up hearing that and it's used in a certain way and that's the way you use it context and context very very important with the context uh, we also say dude in my family and as you know I, I say dude all the time I call everybody dude um, and at one point there was someone in my life who was like when I referred to him as hey dude oh dude dude and there's so many ways um, he was like don't don't call me dude what is what is this dude I had to think about it for a second. It's like, but you will hear dude shouted in a house of my family where there's like 10 people in there just for the entire time you were there. Like high pitch, low pitch, angry, sad, trying to get your attention. You dropped something. Dude, like just constant. And it never occurred to me that someone else might see that as like disrespectful. Right, not uh, emotionally invested. Right. It's like that dude over there. Exactly. As opposed to just yeah. language. Mm -hmm. so. And it's interesting to take the family conversation out into the public. Mm -hmm. And there are certain cadences that you use with your parents, and there's certain shorthand that you use with your parents, and then you try and use that in, with other people, and they just, it, you, you, it doesn't connect in the same way. Right. People yeah. just, just miss it. And they are using their own language that they grew up with using with their parents. I, I was uh, coughing one time, eating dinner, and 
my friend Stephanie, who is definitely listening, hey Steph, uh, said to me, you put your hands over your head and you say, daddy, 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 so this way your daddy knows you're okay. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, that's how, that's how people know you're not choking because you can talk. And I was like, that's not, that's not a universal thing. And she was equally surprised by this. And she's like, I thought that's just what you did. That's something she did with her family. Nobody else does that. That's funny. And and she was concerned that I wasn't actively saying daddy, daddy, daddy. That's weird. But I was okay. Like, I wasn't choking. Everything was fine. It turned out. Worked out fine. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. And to other people, I I feel like in my family, if I threw my arms up in the air when I was coughing or something, that the immediate response to that would be, she needs help. Yes. She's trying to get something down. Like you're drowning and your hands are up. Right. Interesting. Context. I'm trying to think of other, I mean, I'm sure there's a million things. There are some that I will not say on the air when it comes to families and things they say at home because, you know what, not not something that will ever come out of my mouth. So you learn, you adapt, mm-hmm. you become aware. And it's, it's also interesting how generation, generationally the language has changed as oh. well that um, our parents and our grandparents have had to change their house language to their outside language mm-hmm. and how everybody's uh, understanding of what is and is not acceptable in public behavior has definitely changed. Oh, absolutely. Which I think is part, you know, partly due to the internet and people speaking with people outside of their family, their homes that they normally wouldn't. There are millions of people who do not travel, who kind of spend the majority of their time in the same place. And with the internet, it was suddenly, oh, why is this person upset? Someone said something. This person's upset. I wonder why. Let me look at this conversation. And kind of start to realize that what is acceptable or has been acceptable and let's be honest shouldn't be but that's just is what it is in your home is actually really horrible to say in public and if it's you don't know that it's not something you should go stand outside in the middle of like the street somewhere and scream at the top of your lungs until someone says oh god no you can't do that you just don't know right even just in casual conversation not even not even screaming just just talking and then it brings us to the conversation that you have with your friends and how you develop within your friend group your own vernacular and that changes and evolves. And then when those group of friends talk to other people and how the different vernaculars intersect and where, where the overlap is in terms of language. So we were talking about uh, movie quotes and TV quotes yes, and how that has become its own language. Mm-hmm. That is the way that we, we speak to each other. Uh, what we believe we have decided is the title of this episode, so hopefully everything is in place already and you're looking at it and you get what I'm going to say next, um, is uh, like a line from The Simpsons, which is, we have learned to imitate you exactly. Now, b- brief, brief history. Lisa leaves a Petri dish under her bed with evolves, and there's a little tiny, little tiny community in there, and they're at a certain stage in their evolution. It's fantastic. Um, and he says to her, we have learned to imitate you exactly. Uh, now, Jess and I, my friend Jess, What's up, dude? Um, we'll have a conversation, and she will say something like, uh, I keep trying to teach this person how to do this thing, and it's not it's not working. She doesn't understand it. I'm freaking out about it. And my only response will be, we have learned to imitate you exactly. And that's it. That's the conversation. She gets it. I get it. It's kind of funny. Maybe she's a little less stressed now. And there's no, no explanation to it. That is just the way you speak to each other. Um, and in our group, it really was like Austin Powers, Billy Madison, like that kind of era of speaking that is somehow 
worked its way into every everything we say and how we talk to each other. I mean, things that are 20 years old, that's the way we spoke to each other. We still speak to each other that way. And can you imagine being the writer who coined the phrase that's then right. become part of the vernacular for an entire generation? That's, like, that's so weird. I mean, in this case, I guess, well done, Adam Sandler, Mike Myers, but like, how, how cool, and let's all try and be that guy who says that one phrase right. that suddenly becomes part of the zeitgeist, so let's work yes. on that. Right. So let's... What's our catchphrase going to be? Like, hmm. We'll get there. It'll, I think it's just got to evolve naturally. Yeah. And it, it is funny because you will, and because that's the way you speak, you get into a new group of friends, a new group of people, and you respond with one of those quotes that means nothing to those people. And then crickets. Total crickets. So not only do you then have to explain yourself, but you also feel like an ass. You feel like an ass. And then you tell one of the other friends, oh my God, so I said this to somebody, you know, to so and so, and they didn't get it. And you're both like, ah, but that's so funny. And so language gives you the ability to both connect and disconnect. Absolutely. By accident, it really can pigeonhole you very specifically unless you decide to come out of your pigeonhole, spread your wings, and, you know, put pigeon droppings on everybody else, and then they all speak your same <laughs> language. Speak your language. Which is a thing that happens when you start spending time with people. You do start to speak in each other's vernacular, and you say the things that they say, and you pick up that cadence, which we were talking about with accents. Yes, that if you're around somebody with a really thick southern accent, you start to draw it out a little bit, and then you're like, oh, I hope this person doesn't think I'm making fun of them, because really it's just addictive and fun, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, Lisa, mm-hmm. my friend Lisa, your friend Lisa, Lisa. Uh, comes home from Georgia with a hilariously thick accent that she has no idea that she has. She's from Boston, and this accent comes out, and she's like, well, I don't talk like that. I'm like, Lisa, every now and then, a phrase will come out of your mouth, and it's so southern Stuff like by, you know, as the crow flies and things that have no context in <laughs> Boston or suburban Los Angeles. And it's always funny, but that absolutely happens that you just absorb other language around you. I can't believe I have not heard Lisa say, as the crow flies, I am upset. I can't wait for it to happen. Uh, that's great. She, every now and then, she'll, like, these phrases will just come out and I wish I had a, another one like, like, uh, crazy as like a bug in a bug house. Like that. Things that just... <laughs> Something about a peach basket. Like, what are you talking about? You, you couldn't spot a peach basket if you're wearing it on your head. But there it is. That language, you just absorb it. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually hardcore texted someone using a southern phrase. Using some southern That was Kira. I texted Kira, and I was like, uh, oops. That's, that's not me, but I'm spending a lot of time with somebody. Who speaks this way? And I didn't even say it. It didn't come out. I actually texted it without thinking. That's how embedded in my brain it had been at the time. And there is some science behind the accent thing. I wish I had thought of this earlier because I would shout out a link. We'll put it in a place. Do the research. Put it in a place. Um, But that it's totally natural for that to happen, for you to go to another country and pick up that accent. Um, And it's something instinctually in us that is we want to make the people around us as comfortable as possible. So we, whether it be the, the visitor or the, you know, whatever, we start to acclimate to our surrounding and to make everybody copacetic. Similar to using mirroring body language. Yes. You use the same sort of vocabulary. I find, uh, my mother is British, and so we we used to go back pretty often to the UK, and I would find myself referring to the United States as, well, back in the States, which I would never use the phrase in the States, except that's the way they were referring to, you know, across the pond, which I would never say over here across the pond, but it happens. I totally say in the States. And I caught myself doing it once. I was like, when did this, when did this happen? I have no idea where it came from all of a sudden. 
couple of years ago. It's like part of my thing now. Maybe it's because I watch a lot of BBC now. That would do it. Absolutely. It's the same yeah. sort of idea that you're absorbing oh, the, yeah. the cadence, the, the language, the rhythm of it. The rhythm. Yeah. I definitely, definitely have a little bit of an accent after I watched The Walking Dead. Absolutely. Same thing happened with True Blood. Just... We, should, we should all be so lucky as to sound like Renee in True Blood. So handsome. He is so handsome. I wish he wasn't always a killer. I mean, you can't have it all, you right? You can't. You know what? There's sacrifices we're willing to make. <laughs> Gross. Um, so that's that's basically it. We're gonna talk a little bit about this, and this is one of the topics that you will hear, kind of, threaded throughout all of our episodes. We're gonna end up talking about language a lot, and just communication, and how how that works, how we feel about it, when, we, when we're when we pissy about it. How technology affects our language. Absolutely, and how the language of technology is its... I mean, that is the last language that was created. Was yeah, I never thought ones about and that. Ones and zeros, and it is its own thing. It's like you're special if you know it. And what's coming next? I know. Do we I, hope, really... I hope it's a replicator in my kitchen, because I'm going to talk to it, and it's going to... Coffee. Like, that's... That's what I'm hoping. And and here is where a disconnect is because I think a replicator. I'm like, you're gonna have holograms. Like, what does that mean? But that's that's a reference I'm not getting. I mean, different, different technology, but also something I want in my home. Why don't I have a holodeck? I don't understand. It's 2017. This is ridiculous. I mean, they say that that video imaging and conference calls are sort of the same thing, but it's mm-hmm. not. It's not. I want to be little and blue and fuzzy. Right. No, exactly. And of course, now I'm gonna get some. Someone telling me that I'm wrong. There is possibly a connection in the technology between the replicator and the holograms and the holographic displays. I just had that. I couldn't. And if I'm wrong, I don't want that to be out there. I have no idea. So I'm going to believe you if you tell me. Uh, We've strayed from our talk tight, by the way. funny. Actually, I said anyway, and I hate that word. I can't stand. That's interesting because I almost never use it. And I do not like it as... If I see it in dialogue, if I go to write it when I read it in a book, because I feel like people don't talk that way, but I just talk that way. I think they use it as a, anyway, right. let's change the conversation. Right. There's a Friends reference about that, where Chandler's, Phoebe has said something absurd and off the wall, and Chandler turns to Rachel because they're just meeting Rachel in this universe for the first time, and he goes, the word you're looking for is, anyway, mm. and then changes the conversation, but yeah, we're... we're this is our conversation. This is so our we're not changing it. Right. Well, and like when someone's doing some, you know, obnoxious monologue and something, and in the middle of it, because they told a little story, then they say, anyway, so, and then we did this. I just feel like that's not real life. But maybe I'm wrong. I think we're going to have to start watching people. Totally. Yeah. I want to know. Listening in. Maybe I think it's real life just because I see it on TV all the mm-hmm. time. Kind and of an overheard LA right. vibe, but overheard and judging you in LA. Write that down. <laughs> no idea is too too small or weird or ridiculous. There's a lot of post-its all over the house that have scraps of ideas and sometimes bad drawings on them. Yeah, but I understand your drawing. Yes. Because we talked about it. Context. 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 People say content is king. In this particular instance, context is mm-hmm. king. Uh, wow, we really did veer for a while there. How yeah. much time was that? I don't know. Oh, no, we're doing good. We're doing okay. good. Thanks for sticking through our first episode. <laughs> Uh, I am going to bring you uh, next. Actually, I'm not bringing this to you. Noodle is. We have another segment that is something we will do every episode, and that is Noodle's Political Minute. Yes. uh, I am 
pretty politically active. I like to think of myself as part of the resist movement. I am very active in the Indivisibles of Sherman Oaks organization. And there's always something going on. There's always something to protest. There's always something to rally against. There's always something to sign. There's always somebody to tweet at. Um, right now, it's net neutrality. Uh, real concerned that we're going to lose net neutrality. And there's a whole movement of call your senators and call your congressmen. And absolutely, you should be doing that. But also, this is this is a pretty pretty small decision being made by the FCC. Not that it's a small impact decision, but there's, I think, five people that make this decision, mm -hmm. and that's who we should be calling. And we're definitely going to post um, on Instagram the names and phone numbers of the people that you should be calling to say, please save net neutrality. We absolutely need this. I don't want to pay more money to check my Gmail versus my Yahoo. I don't want to pay more money to look at Facebook. I, mm -hmm. it, in Portugal, there, there's been a couple of posts about this that yeah. show what the packages look like, similar to how cable is broken out. And that's not good, guys. Like, the idea of having companies having control over what you're able to see and being able to charge you more money to look at their competitors is really bad for all of us. It will smother competition completely. And frankly, it's just going to bleed out your money. Uh, in a world where people are cutting cords and not relying on cable so much, it just seems like another way to curtail what we can and cannot see. And it's a big problem. So we will we will post the phone numbers, call and say, save our net neutrality, and I'd like to be able to look at the internet for free, right. in as much as you know, you're paying for cable, you know, paying for the internet to be there. But frankly, we created it, and why should you, the company, be in charge of deciding what we can see? Absolutely, that, that is true. We did create it. The consumer created the internet. That is, and we support it. Happened. We support it we actively. Support. We are the ones using it. Like, don't boss me. <laughs> don't boss me. Uh, the other the other piece that I do want to call out is coming up in January is the second women's march and I'm pretty sure it's just a straight impeach march. Come out, we need to everybody needs to be on the streets. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been small time marching, but we haven't had another really big movement in the way the the first women's march was so enormous and covered so many different countries and uh, I think we we saw it the other day that it was the biggest protest that's ever happened in the history of the world yeah and frankly let's get back on the streets and let's do it again um impeach trump mm -hmm. i think that's january 20th and i'll mention this a number of times but i want to see you on the streets yeah everybody everybody make a day of it you know pack a bag bring bring a snack a snack whatever make a day of it because there is wear sunscreen wear, oh sunscreen sunglasses bandana bring your things um but yeah i know it is important and and the net neutrality this is the third or fourth time this has come up. It is, there isn't, it may actually just be netneutrality.org or, or right, something like that. But there is a website out there that does allow you to put um, put things up on your own websites. Any small businesses that want to do this because you guys will be massively affected if, if this change happens. Um, things you can put up to show people, to show consumers that maybe aren't hearing about it. You can put a scrolling, you know, a, a beach ball essentially on, on your website and, and make a statement about it before somebody shops and it is it is I think very very impactful because we've been using these now again three three times or so and it has made a has made a difference it feels like it is helping to slow this and John Oliver is really choice. leading the charge around it mm -hmm. and he's been so great and so vocal and yeah I think he said this is the third time that clearly the people are have spoken and right. we want to preserve net neutrality and these five people who I don't even know how they got their job are are unilaterally making this decision and we absolutely need to stop it um, I spoke to uh, Brad Sherman's office the other day and and the gentleman I, I didn't 
couldn't catch his name, but he was very, very good at his job and very polite. And he said, if this, if this goes through, we might have to have Congress step in and make changes, but the people need to keep sp speaking. We need to keep shouting about this because this matters. This impacts every single one of us that has any access to the internet. And frankly, it's going to affect people who don't yet have access to the internet because it's going to be more expensive to get to. Right, and it, it does, um, it's basically a corporation saying, corporations saying, uh, you can't have this information because it is everything. It is, it is people doing homework. It is information is supposed to be free. The internet is for everybody. It is supposed to be for everybody and telling someone they can't have it is essentially, you know, step one in living in Fahrenheit 451. Yep. That is what's happening. They are going to change what you can be educated about, what you can have access to, how easy it is for you to get things like healthcare and utilities, and this is going to be a massive problem if it happens. So, yeah, call the FCC. Tell them you want to save net neutrality. And we're both doing the fist thing. Right? You can't see it, but we're both like very, <laughs> very serious about the situation because uh, we can't do this. You know, yeah. things like this. The the amount it, and the uh, you know, the other part is at this point, so many people have made a living based on the fact that they can provide content and so many people are, you know what, living their dreams, man. So many people have put in the work to You build think about careers. the YouTube stars. Absolutely. That's and and, and they deserve those careers. They've worked so hard for them and to tell people you can't do that now is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's like it's going backwards. Why why would we want to go backwards? We've been doing a lot of going backwards lately and I gotta tell you I see not going well. left. I am about to freak out <laughs> on the universe. Uh, so that that's your, your political minute, minute. Do the things. We'll post the stuff. Uh, one more segment we have is Fandoms Anonymous, where I will talk about something dorky. Uh, Tell us something dorky, Candace. Something dorky. Uh, something dorky is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be back real soon, and I am freaking out excited. Not my topic this week, but something dorky. But next time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I hope typically this is not so so heavy. Um, but it is something about fandoms in general. If you have heard recently about uh, Finn Wolfhard, who plays Mike on Stranger Things, uh, basically he did not stop to speak to people outside of the hotel at some function, um, and he was kind of destroyed by it. Like People came out online and were saying how, how horrible and disrespectful and rude and how dare he act like that, and where are the parents and the managers telling these kids how to act. And how old is he? Um, 14? Maybe so he's, he's just a kid. He's a kid. He is absolutely a child. Um, and it got kind of ugly. It, it really got kind of ugly. And it was essentially adults bullying a child. And they were kind of harassing him outside to begin with. And now they were, you know, they're like bullying him online. His response was great. And he basically came out and responded and said, I, I, don't, I don't owe you anything. Like, I don't, adults waiting outside for children is freaking creepy. And now you have a problem with it, and you're really kind of ridiculous as, as a human. Um, and a couple of other young stars came out and said something. Sophie Turner uh, from Game of, Game of Thrones and Shannon Purser, who was Barb. Barb on Stranger Things. We oh, miss Barb. you, Barb. We miss you so much. Justice for Barb. Justice for Barb. Um, and, and they're, you know, in that same generation of celebrities and actors, and, and they came out and said some, some wonderful things as well. But essentially, this, this is the dark side of fandoms which is this feeling that we own something, we own the property, we own the story, we own the people that portray, and they owe us something for watching what they're putting out there, and that is bullshit. It's creepy. It's something that needs to stop. 
Um, I love that with the ability to communicate today that this generation of celebrities is able to respond both with just the fact that things are opening up. We won't talk about Weinstein, et cetera, at the moment, but just the ability for people to finally feel like they can say things. And now here's this young generation just saying it. They're just, no, no one is telling them, no one can stop them. No one is saying, don't say that. It's not nice. Don't, don't make a storm. They're saying it and they're being very vocal about this really uncomfortable part of society. And it's that weird dichotomy because, because of the direct communication around the internet through Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, etc. You really can talk directly to your celebrities and the celebrities sometimes talk directly back to you. Mm-hmm. And so it feels much more accessible, but it doesn't change the fact that they're still people. Exactly. They're not the character that they represent. They're not a cartoon. They're not a one-dimensional. They're humans and they have feelings outside of what it is that they're showing in the show. Yeah, that is not, that's a job. It's and, a job. And it, it gets to the point where, you know, as people who are just in these giant fandoms, I'm just going to name some of the ones that I tend to fall into, Supernatural, X-Files, just these huge communities, it's wonderful and what's available now is wonderful. We've got Tumblr and Instagram and ways to communicate with each other that, uh, you know, bring each other together over this one thing and it's super cool and I talked about this on another podcast, but I remember the very beginnings of the internet and X-Files forums. It was a, it was a huge deal. X-Files was very much at the beginning of chat rooms and, and that kind of conversing with each other. And it's amazing and it's awesome. And you can talk to somebody across the world about this thing that you guys just so happen to have in common. And it's amazing. But we've we've gone a little too far. And it's it's actually scary to see that this is sanctioned bullying. And that does lead into the paparazzi, which we've talked about, and just the whole, the ability to treat somebody a way that another citizen legally cannot be treated. I mean, it is essentially sanctioned stalking and harassment and and all of these things. And now it's gotten so far that fandoms have taken it to this point where you are aggressively coming after a child for no reason. And I'd like to see that go away. Who is providing you with something that you love. You love, right. Who, who is you know, part of a world that you care about. And would you talk to a person that you love in your real life in that same way? Exactly. It's, it's this feeling of you're an inanimate object. I, you're a thing. I own you. You're on you're my mine. shirt. I own right. you. You're mine. And I just, I don't like it. I'd like to see the fandom community be a little less fucking creepy and gross. That would be stellar. Yeah, I mean, if you think about the um, the celebrity magazines and how much money people shell out for these pictures of celebrities walking around, and especially like with their children mm-hmm. and that stuff, that's so the it's whole, so creepy. Yeah. And you know who does a great job of really kind of trying to shield his family is a. Uh, I, I don't think a single episode is going to go by where I don't mention Lynn at least once. Uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda always covers his son's face, mm-hmm. and um, recently during the Thanksgiving Day Parade, he tweeted out, "If you see me with my family, could you please and you take a picture, could you please blur out my kid's face?" Mm-hmm. Because he he didn't ask for this, right. um, where he's willing to be available and social with with his fans, but give him still that that modicum of respect. And actually, people were very good about it. And every now and then somebody was like, whoa, what are you... And the, everybody else was like, no, right. that's his three-year-old kid. Like, could you not be right. a dick? But Every now and then, you don't read the comments that you have to tell yourself the mantra you have to repeat don't read over the and over. Um, it, when you do, it, it works out. Every now yeah. and then, you read the yeah. comments and it's like, 
faith and humanity restored. Look at all these people like on the right side of something. Um, it's it's unbelievable. The whole paparazzi situation makes me very uncomfortable and disgusted by like our the way we've built this machine into society and there's so much money behind it now that it's how does that ever go away? There's no laws on their side and this ability to look at someone and just decide like you said your mind which means my opinions matter I can tell you how to live your life I, I can buy the magazine that, and now I feel like I know you so my my judgment of the way you do things is appropriate and I can tell I can tell Pink not to cook with her kid in the thing by the stove and I can do like I I have a, I, I, I own you I deserve to tell you these things and it's just real real gross and Michael Jackson did that and because he's Michael Jackson, because we believe we own these people, and to some people he was so bizarre, you know, to begin with, when he covered his kids in masks every time they went out, it was, there's Michael Jackson being weird, when really he was just desperately trying to protect his children. I never thought about that, because yeah, That's he was really he the first that. one, mm-hmm. and there was the whole blanket situation, everybody thought it was horrifying, mm-hmm. but yeah, he was trying to let his kids grow up in a semi, right. and, semi-anonymous situation. Right, and I think to a point... Um, make a, a bit of a comment on the absurdity of it. Of they were always in some, I'm sure, some silly mask they chose for themselves. But you know, little monsters, princesses. I mean, it definitely had another statement behind mm-hmm. just get your camera out of my kid's face. You right. you jag, but yeah, it's it's gross, and I don't like it. You know who does a great job of really clapping uh-huh. back at it consistently is Chrissy Teigen. I love her. She, I mean, she has not taken anybody's shit Mm-mm. ever. No, she is a gift. <laughs> she is, she's a star that fell to the earth and just, she's here for all of us. And continues her, to shine. Continues to shine. Exactly. Aw. I love her. We love you, Chrissy. Um, oh, there was one more thing. Damn it, what did I say? Typical conversation. That's what this is now. We're not recording. This is just Candy trying to remember what she was just going chatting. to say. Just chit chat. Um, oh, uh, there is, this is what I'm going to say, this is my, my call to arms, stop buying those magazines, stop buying, oh my God, we're not recording enough for anybody to care, Us Weekly, People Magazine, uh, stop going to blogs that continue to repost obvious paparazzi photos that were taken, uh, not by choice. Yeah, where they look uncomfortable. Yeah, and all of, like, the Tumblr accounts. We love you. We want. We love that you're out there. You give us these pictures, and it's ridiculous. And I can go there, and I can look at all the covers, and like, what's Chris Evans up to today? And it takes five minutes out of my day to like center slightly and just look at something that I like. But you guys, stop reposting those pictures. You're feeding the machine. We are all feeding the machine. Stop it. That's the only way it's gonna stop. Agree. Cool. And if there's no money in it, it goes away. That's that's it. Because that's speak with all your wallet. Speak with your wallet. Language. Look at us. Look at us bringing that full circle. Speaking nice. of speaking with your wallets, can yes. we talk about the shirts that we're wearing? Let's talk about our shirts. So, uh, Candy and I are both wearing the You Can Pee Next to Me shirts, which were part of an Omaze um, campaign to bring awareness to trans rights to use whatever bathroom they'd like. So, uh, we'll post a picture of these great shirts. And I don't know if the campaign is still going on, but I just think it's important um, that you use your dollars to support the things that matter to you, especially as we're, you know, approaching the holiday season and there's a lot of consumerism because you can still consume conscientiously. Absolutely. Um, and I think the campaign started because this was one, you know, Omaze runs campaigns and usually they end some of them 
are, are so well received that they, they continue to run and give money to the charity that supports whatever the thing is um, for as long as possible. I think they started with a Texas-specific situation. Yes. Um, that, that was about the, the laws in the bathrooms, and it is it is still running. I believe it's still oh, running. Oh, great. Uh, no, no, I'm no. sorry. Take it back. This campaign is closed. This campaign is closed. Uh, but... We got, shirts. We, we got shirts. Our shirts are awesome. We feel very, very good about them. Um, I can't wait to wear it home for like a holiday. I can't wait to add it to my rotation of let me put my agenda all up over your, your table. Um, How is everybody's Thanksgiving conversations with their with their families? Hopefully, hopefully stress-free. Hopefully stress-free. Yeah. My dad said Trump once. It wasn't even like we were having a conversation about Trump, but somehow it came up. And I said, okay, I'm going to need a glass of wine. That's the time. Like that. That's, <laughs> it's wine o'clock at Trump time. I will time. have this conversation, but I need a glass of wine. I don't even know what the conversation was going to be. I just knew that that was the point of the break. Um, check out Omaze, though. If you haven't seen it before, they run these, these campaigns all the time. The money goes to whatever charity. It was T-shirt, whatever it was designed for, and, and they're pretty cool. And I think if you create an account, like most things out there, it will kind of learn what you're interested in, and then it will start filtering you, hey, you might be interested in this campaign as well, which these are the only uh, emails and things that I don't mind. If I sign a petition, if I at moveon.org, or if I, you know, omaze, whatever it might be, go ahead, take my data, send me things that I might be interested in, because I, it's hard sometimes to know. It's hard. We, we all get a lot going on. Yep. A lot of conversations, constantly connected to everything, which is great, but it does make it hard to filter things out. So I feel very good about the notifications they give me, which are a few. But poignant. And campaigns that you care about and will continue to, to give. That's It's good marketing on their part. It is good marketing. Good for them. Yeah. Sip break. <laughs> um, I'm going to stay lubricated. <laughs> no, seriously. I'm so thirsty all the time. I'm very warm. That's why. I'm naturally warm. Uh, so that is it. That is typically what our episodes are going to be like. Again, we might have a guest. Uh, you will hear lots of things about language. You said that'll probably come up again. American culture is something that's gonna gonna come up. Art, politics, history, feminism, science, nerd stuff, nerd stuff, nerd stuff. books, Ugh, so TV, many books, movies, comic books. Yes, comic books. We haven't said anything about comic books. No, yet. we haven't. Shocked. We will though. Absolutely we'll shocked. Get there. Um, I think that's it. Do you have any any final thoughts? Any last minute things you want to share? And where can we find you? Right. So you can find me uh, on Twitter at NessieNoodle13. You can find me on Instagram at NoodlingAround. I post a lot of pictures of the books that I'm reading and my cat, which is important. Um, I have two. They hate each other. It's a good time. Uh, but Don't yeah, uh, and Twitter is really where most of my politics are. I am mostly yelling at Trump as much as possible under, under the hashtag of leadership. So as a reminder that he is not doing a good job in leadership. So you can you can find me on, on all the internets. All the internets. So many internets. Uh, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Candy Presents. That's Candy with an I. Instagram, Twitter, possibly Pinterest. What's up, Pinterest? I have a pretty solid Pinterest game. Give me a follow. Let's share ideas. I think we have a touch on board, right? We have a board that's a, an aesthetic yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can see what we're into. Do a thing for that, yeah. And maybe I'll post that, too. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Look at us. Yeah, I'm so excited. Churning out the uh, stuff. <laughs> we have a couple of shout-outs. Um, what would we like to promote coming up? Uh, I'd like to, to shout-out 
Dungeon Master. I am the uh, business producer for a show called Dungeon Master, which is a live-action improv theater event. If you're into uh, Dungeons & Dragons, if you're into fantasy, if you like improv, if you live in Los Angeles, it's a great show. Um, we're starting our writers' meeting for the next season, so we'll have a show in January. I'm sure I'll talk about that more. But uh, you can find Dungeon Master at uh, Dungeon Master Cast and Dungeon Master LA on all of the internets. And uh, come come down to the Vortex in downtown LA and check us out. I love how like badass that sounds. Come down to the Vortex. Right? And it, you know what? That venue lives up to the name. It does. It really does. Um, I We actually kind of talked about our maze already. That was one thing we were going to talk about. Um, but I do have uh, Mulder It's Us, an X-Files podcast, which I ran with uh, Jennifer, Jenny B. Creative, at the beginning of this year. Uh, season 11 is coming out. It starts in January, so that will start up again. And there's more, more uh, episodes this season. There are 11, or I'm sorry, 10 episodes of the X-Files. So we will do an episode per episode. <laughs> and it's a pretty good time. You can catch uh, season one of Mulder It's Us, an X-Files podcast. is on iTunes. Um, and I'm real, real stoked about more X-Files. Real I, I feel like stoked. I need to watch X-Files based on how excited you just got mm. from saying that. It's, it's so just close like now. You just lit it's up. Just, it's like I knew it was coming 2018, 2018, and then it's like January 3rd, and I'm <laughs> freaking out excited. And the last one we wanted to say is two weeks ago, we were on the all-time top ten together doing feminist anthems. So um, we will post the link to that as well if you want to hear us talk about music, which we haven't talked about at all also in this shot. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we have a lot of opinions about feminist anthems and what makes a feminist anthem and not just breakup songs, but like pro-women, I say coalition building a lot. Um, it's Give it a listen. It's a great show. Um, thanks to Ben Eisen and All Time Top Ten for having us. Yeah, that was super fun. It was super fun. And uh, the episode is up now. There's a link on our, our Instagram uh, somewhere in there if you go back. But we, yeah, we will post we another one. Yeah. Uh, and it was super fun. And also, that was a spreadsheet Extravaganza. love Extravaganza. Oh, my God. We are for real, for real organized. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you check us out for episode two. And we will see you soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 It's me, too many softwares. Too many programs. <laughs> and we're out. <laughs>